podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's Game Week 36, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable i'm your host tadiwa chanakera and i'm super excited to have the og king he currently leads bank it or burn it at the moment we were obviously discussing the formalities of what would happen if he does win it i obviously don't want to jinx you jinx you but jake jackman welcome back to the show uh did you want to continue that conversation on on the record or is is, is that off the record um, no, we can we can go on the record. I was uh, I was hoping that today I would uh, have the opportunity to reclaim the lead, but obviously nobody's good enough to even take it. In the first place, so. <laughs> it takes someone to have to take the lead for you to retake it, but you can extend your lead, so to speak. You could put up a better score. Um, this will obviously be your last effort for Bank of Burner, but as we say, you you have the lead at eighteen out of twenty five at the moment. Two other game weeks left, really. Uh, for someone to try and nip in at, at the last second uh, and take your in, your pending title, dare I say. Um, but yeah, let's start off the weekend with the fixtures that will be relevant for your Bank or Burnet. And then we'll go through, obviously, the rest of the weekend's Premier League fixtures for game week 36. And it is obviously fortuitous because we start the weekend off with Leeds versus Newcastle. Now... I know it's not relevant necessarily for this specific game, but it's going to be relevant for games coming up. Both you and myself at time of recording have, um, a certain game on, on a, on a separate screen, uh, Brighton versus Everton. I guess that's some behind the scenes to see what time we're recording this, but Brighton versus Everton's about to kick off soon. We both have one eye on that one, but speaking of having one eye on something, your team, Newcastle, um, didn't get the win or maybe the result they were hoping for this weekend. Are you at all starting to get worried or is it one of those where you're facing Arsenal, a side that's been good this season? Yes, it's disappointing to lose, but it shouldn't be a game that, that, that pulls you off the rails. And then coming up against, um, a, a lead side with Sam Allardyce in charge. I don't know if he's had too much time to implement everything he wants them to do, but. How are you navigating this fixture and feeling about it? Um, yeah, I think I'm fairly confident. Um, the Arsenal game, disappointing, but if, if, for anybody that watched the game, it's definitely a 50-50 game. Could have went either way. Could, all three results were, were in play. Arsenal, um, scored from long range. You know, you got, you need a little bit of luck to score from that way out than an own goal. 
Um, they obviously did create some clear-cut chances too, but so did Newcastle. Could easily, if, if, if Jacob Murphy scores in the first minute when he has his chance against the post, it's probably a completely different game. Uh, and I'd probably guess that we go on to win it. Um, and then the penalty award that got given and then overturned, I think that just sort of killed our momentum. Um, it really sort of, Arsenal probably felt like they, they were going to go behind that point and then they got given that second chance and they really ran with it. Um, and they played really well. They were very confident playing through the Newcastle press. And I think that we've seen the season when, when Newcastle do lose games, it's when teams have those players to pick up the ball deep, invite the press. And then if you beat the press, there's a lot of space in our half to, to, to exploit. Uh, we saw Liverpool do it when they came to St. James Park. Um, we saw Arsenal do it. And then Aston Villa, when we lost that game, they were very good at doing it too. Leeds are not going to do that. They're not going to be playing it short and inviting, inviting us forward and trying to play through our press. They're going to be hoofing it long, which only plays into what Newcastle want to happen in that game. Um, you know, it's a game of football. It's, it's a low margin sport. Um, they could beat us, but I would suggest that the, that the way the game's going to go is that Newcastle are going to have a lot of the ball, are probably going to have three times as many shots as Leeds. Um, and taking into account sort of the way we've bounced back from defeats previously and the way Leeds are sort of shipping goals. Um, I know they only conceded two at City, but you know, if anybody watched the game, City had four uh, big chances. None of them, none of them went in the net. Um, so it, it could have been a much bigger scoreline on the day. Um, so I wouldn't be thinking that, that shows that Allardyce has already improved the defence. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I just have to maybe a, a little bit of an improvement from them at the weekend. Obviously, at, 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 where they're at home, the crowd will be completely behind them. But if Newcastle go to West Ham when they're sort of really worried about relegation. They went to Everton when the crowd was really up and Newcastle put four past both those teams. It's probably going to be a similar story this weekend. I think it's going to be a Newcastle win. I, I, I just, thinking completely logically, I can't see any other result. Um, I just think that Lee, Sam Allardyce, he, he's, he didn't really do it at West Brom. I don't think he's got the players at Leeds to really completely carry out his style. Um, and yeah, Newcastle have been one of the best top, uh, one of the top four teams in the league all season. They've been very consistent. Even in the games they've lost, I'd say it's only the Aston Villa game where we played poorly. Even the Liverpool game with 10 men were creating a lot of chances. The Arsenal game again played very well, could have won that game on another day. So yeah, I, I'm not worried. I don't think that the loss to Arsenal was, was any display of Newcastle choking this top four race. I think they just got beaten by a good team. And they're not playing a good team on Saturday. So I think that we're probably going to get back to winning ways. Um, uh, I think even even a draw for Newcastle at this point puts 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 goal difference out of the question for us. We then just need to win two of our last three games, two of which are at home. The other one away against Chelsea. You probably even expect that, but I think we'll we'll get three points this weekend and really just sort of consolidate our position in that top four. So yeah, I'll go go a Newcastle win. Um, I think I'll go three one to Newcastle. So we do seem to keep conceding goals um, normally when we're two or three up, but. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go three-one to Newcastle. Uh, I'd be really surprised if it was any other result. Yeah, interesting stuff there. Yeah, for me, I think um, it's certainly not the case of Newcastle bottling bottling it or anything like that. As you say, they were still in the game; they were still competitive throughout the game. A couple of decisions go their way. Um, the ball bounces a bit more kindly for them. I think they probably go and win that game. Um, and as you said, throughout the season, you could. If you're lucky, count on, on one hand. I don't even think you'll need all five fingers to, to count the times when Newcastle have been disappointing or just outright outplayed 
in a game in the Premier League this season. So yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting Leeds to 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 be the team to do that to them. So in saying that, I think Newcastle always have a chance in this game to go and get a result. I, I've gone two one Newcastle. Um, I think Leeds being at home, the first home game for Allardyce, the players will want to put up a performance and and put on a show. But the the talent of Newcastle should see them through this game. I wanted to ask you with regards to Newcastle. I mean, it's it's a it's it's almost a good problem to have. But what have you made of the decision making with what to do with that front line? We've seen the pairing of the strikers. We've seen wide players with one striker. Do do you have an opinion on on that? Yeah, I think it's good. We've got options at the moment. I think um, when look uh, Sean Longstaff's been fit, I think it's worked with Joel Linton on the left wing and interchanging Wilson and Isaac. Um, I think the fact that we lost against Arsenal probably means that he won't start both of them again. Um, I think he'll probably look to to have one of those options on the bench. I think he likes having either Wilson or Isaac to bring on. Um, and I thought say Maximum was really good when he played the weekend. He was in really good form before his injury. Um, the fact that Leeds are going to set up deep and sort of invite us on, I think it's a perfect game for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. Um, but yeah, I think we've got plenty of options there, even on the other side. Alan sort of come back to fitness and he's not really had much of a, much of a chance yet with, um, Murphy playing so well. So yeah, we've got, we've got plenty of options and I think we'll, we'll keep it fresh over the next few games too. So I, I'd, I think I'd, I'd probably expect the maximum to come in for this one purely because Leeds are going to invite us onto them and it's sort of the type of game where he can beat one or two sort of win free kicks around the area, maybe win a penalty, sort of beat one or two to create some space. And he's got, and he's been in very good form when he's been fit recently. So yeah, I think he, he probably deserves to come back in. But yeah, it's plenty of options. That's any good thing. Awesome stuff. And as I always say, whenever I've got you on here, I always go a bit deeper with Newcastle because I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear what you have to say about them. Um, obviously, Jake is one of the writers for EPLindex.com. This podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Uh, if you guys use the coupon code EPL25, you can get 25% off of your router or off the software VPN. If you go with the software VPN option, it just downloads straight onto your devices, which is pretty cool. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys will be able to change your locations, avoid geo-blocks, and government-imposed restrictions um, to access any website. Finally, you guys can go and check out EPL Index Shop. Uh, you can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. Jake, we've got two teams that are probably looking up at you with covetous eyes in Aston Villa and Tottenham, and they will be facing each other this weekend. For me, you know, obviously Aston Villa were, were the, the, the team everyone was looking up, you know, looking at with fond eyes and, and enjoying their football of late. Um, They've been performing well. They've got their strikers scoring goals. They they didn't do so well last week. That one 0 loss to Wolves, and and we'll get to the Wolves side of it, which was obviously a, a massive result for them. But have you have you got an opinion on on Villa now being you know two games in a row that they've lost? Um, they they were on a really really hot streak. I think five or six games that they were winning, you know, left, right, and center, and were really making a charge for those European places. And then you look at it from Tottenham's side of things. 
this is probably the best time to play Aston Villa, considering this, um, you know, this period that they've had where they've been playing really, really well. And Spurs on, on their end, they've gotten a result, um, on the weekend, which I, I'm, I'm assuming will give them uh, a boost of confidence against the Palace side who was also in form, you know, what, what can we expect from this game? Are, are these sides, um, I know you, you, you speak from a Newcastle perspective saying, hopefully they, they get the job done against Leeds and sort of solidify that European, um, football, especially Champions League football for next season. But maybe Man United is the team looking over their shoulder. Are, are either of these teams going to cause them concern over the last couple of games? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think Tottenham's sort of season this run. I think they'll be quite happy to get any sort of European football. I think the same for Villa too. I think I think if you offered Unai Emery now, you, you're going to finish seventh and get a place in the Conference League. I think he'd probably take it. Um, I think the thing with Villa is um, um, the, the thing with Villa at the moment is that I, I sort of got in got a bit of heat from Villa fans on, on social media just before we played them um, because I, I put out a tweet saying that sort of their their metrics were not great um, and they were sort of running hot at both ends of the pitch. I think they'd, based on their expected goals, they'd scored six more than expected um, and conceded six fewer than expected based on the chance they conceded. So it, it's very rare for a team to run that hot at either end and to run it that hot at both ends at the same time. It's, it is just, um, it is just, you know, magic in a bottle. You want to capture it um, and you want to run with it as, as, as long as you can. It's not going to be sustainable. And I think we've seen that in the last few weeks since the Newcastle game. Um, results have dropped off a little bit, even against Brentford. They were quite lucky to come away with a draw that day. Um, so yeah, and Oli Watkins has stopped scoring um, as many. It was always going to happen. The thing with Villa's form was either the performances were going to improve or they were going to um, they were going to start to drop off. And I think we started to see them drop off. And the fixture list isn't kind to them. They obviously played Manchester United a couple of weeks ago. Tottenham this week, I think they've got games against Brighton, Liverpool um, as well before the end of the season. Um, so it is, a, it is a really tricky run for them. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'll start to see those those results continue to drop off. Um, but despite all that, they, they are definitely making improvements under Emery. You can see a, a sort of pattern of, of sustained play under them. You can see what they're trying to do. And I think with more time... Um, with a few signings this summer, I think we will see them push on. I'm not saying that they're, they're a bad team, but I just think that they were running very, very hot um, and their results were perhaps not indicative of their performances. Um, I would expect their performance ever to improve over the summer. I think they're definitely going to be a threat to their sort of top eight European places for years to come. As long as Emery's there, he's a very good coach. But I think that this season, they've perhaps, we, people perhaps sort of looked at the results and thought they're a lot better than they are. But saying all of that, I think this, this game against Tottenham is a good one for them. Um, I think Tottenham are sort of a bit lost for ideas. I don't think they've got that much to play for. I think they'd like to finish in, in a European spot, but I don't think they're that bothered by it at the same time. They don't have a manager. They've obviously been thrown around from interim to interim. They're very reliant on Harry Kane. So, yeah, I think that this is going to be a good a good game for Villa. I think the fact that they're so together um, and and they're sort of pushing towards something um, that would perhaps make their season a, an incredible one, whereas Tottenham are pushing for that. I think that that might just be the difference. Um, so I think I'm going to take Villa to win um, 2-1. But yeah, I, 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 I'm I, not that hot on either team at the moment. But I think the Villa, just because they've got that that some 
got that someone to push for and, and, and someone that would really mark their season as, as being a good one. I think that, that that would just be the difference of motivation levels here. Yeah, I'm, I think for me, the it was obviously interesting to see how Mason, Ryan Mason lined the team up uh, on the weekend. Uh, Emerson coming back in, obviously the more de- defensive-minded of the two fullbacks on the right-hand side that they do have. Um, I wasn't convinced <laughs> with, with their performance, but they got the win. Uh, I thought... Uh, Palace were unfortunate not to come away with something from that game. But I guess, yeah, for, for Tottenham, I think the object is to try and finish the season off on a high note. Um, hopefully it, it breeds into next season, but I'm expecting quite a few, you know, changes there. Obviously we've got a director of football that needs to come in. We've got a coach that needs to come in and we've got, um, you know, new players and, and, and some players will be moving on. From Villa's side of things, I think obviously they are the team of the season for 22-23 season for a tap predictable podcast. Controversially voted in as the team of the season the week or the day probably after Gerard got fired by Aston Villa. Um, but yeah, and I'm obligated to say that it's the unofficial um, team of uh, a tab predictable podcast. I have to say that all the suits upstairs will get quite upset with me. I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, I would have preferred it at White Hart Lane because it would have meant Tottenham would have had to get out of their shell a bit more and we would have been able to see a bit more of a box, um, end-to-end game. But I'm pretty sure in this one, Tottenham are going to be happy to sit back and try and just break on the counter-attack with the likes of Son. Um, it will be interesting to see if Richarlison keeps his place or if uh, Kulisevsky or Danjuma gets a nod in in the starting lineup for them. I've gone with a 1-1 draw in this one. I think the teams eventually cancel each other out. Um, you can't not back a Kane goal at this point in time, it seems. Uh, the team might not be playing well, but he's been playing well this season. And I think it's it's one of those seasons where um, a player's played really well, similar to, I guess, Salah as well. Maybe it's because Haaland's in the league now and he's doing ridiculous numbers, but Kane's played phenomenal this season. It just seems, you know, not as great as what Haaland is doing at the moment, which is, which is a bit of a shame for him, but he'll have individual goals at the very least. Um, if not team goals to, to try and finish the season off strong. Let's move on to Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest. Can I say Chelsea got a surprise win against Bournemouth or is, is that being a bit too harsh? Either, you know, on Chelsea and, and, you know, the, the status that they have in English football at the moment. But based on form, I, I was sure that Bournemouth were going to be able to at least get a draw in that game last week. Um, Chelsea obviously now trying to get back to back wins. They will be entertaining Nottingham Forest, a team that has been struggling this season. I think for Nottingham Forest, they're starting to get the calculators out and trying to see the permutations of, you know, what they need, what, what could happen. Uh, if certain results don't go their way this weekend, they're currently sitting in 19th place. They could be, you know, drifting further away if this result doesn't go their way. But of the teams that are down there at the moment, and I'm, I'm probably cutting it off at Everton, uh, at time of recording, but obviously, um, an early goal for Everton in that game against Brighton. But I'm looking at the, the table and from Everton down, Nottingham Forest still have that game in hand on the teams above them. So maybe this one's a bit of a freebie, but 
Or is it not the case at the moment with it being so late into the season, there's not really freebies, you just have to get points on the board? Yeah, I think, I think that no game can be considered a th- uh, freebie these days, um, especially if you're fighting at the bottom of the table. We've seen teams near the bottom of the table go and win at Stamford Bridge this season. Um, Southampton won there. Um, and, and we've obviously seen um, Everton go there and get a point recently. But it's not the ground it was, and they've obviously got nothing to play for. Um, I think their win over Bournemouth didn't surprise me too much. I thought Bournemouth put so much sort of emotion into their games prior to that, and the fact that they they pretty much made themselves safe. There was always likely to be a drop off, um, and I think that they were just they were they benefited from it. Um, Chelsea uh, and obviously in a game with, with, between two teams with nothing to play for. The ones that do have better players probably do normally come out on top, so it didn't greatly surprise me. Um, but yeah, Forrest have got players that can cause some problems in attack. I think Morgan gives White's been very good recently. Brennan Johnson scored a lot of goals. Um, but the thing with Forrest, they're just terrible away from home. Um, it's so difficult for me to back them to win a game away from home, so I'm not going to do that. I think that I think Chelsea might have a an okayish end to the season. Um, they've obviously got a couple of tricky tricky trips ahead for them um, against teams near the top of the table but I think they're going to they're going to win this one um, I think maybe 2-0 um, yeah I just don't think Forrest are going to get any more points away from home I think they're going to need um, their home results to go for them and that starts um, with the game tonight against Southampton which you obviously won't know the result for but um, yeah I think that this is going to be one that, that passes them by um, and yeah I think Chelsea will win 2-0 3-0 to Chelsea um, but as, as you say, I, it's not really much Chelsea can play for this season unless they're necessarily playing for their jobs for next season, I guess, is, is a way you could look at it. But in terms of, you know, it's going to be a new manager coming in. There's definitely going to be, you know, some movement of player personnel at Chelsea. Um, now that they're, I think it's safe to say, not going to be in Europe next season. Um, <laughs> Nottingham Forest, they need the, they need the result here. They've not been great away um, away from home. I, I really wanted to give them a result in this game, but I just can't. I can't away from home. I can't against um, a Chelsea side that found some sort of form um, in 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 their last game. I'm, I've gone with the one 0 Chelsea win. I think it's going to be a spirited effort from Nottingham Forest to try and stay in the game and and try and keep it compact and and make it difficult for Chelsea to score a goal, you know, and, and Chelsea before that Bournemouth game had found it quite difficult to get goals uh, in recent weeks. And, and I think Nottingham Forest will be able to do that, but Chelsea sort of skate over the line there. Let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. Now, I love the game at Salas Park. I love the way Bournemouth are playing at the moment. I think this could be a cracking game, Jake. It, it, is this one of those games that could potentially steal the weekend? I mean, a Bournemouth side that is... Now celebrating, you know, staying in the Premier League for another season. I, I, I know they haven't reached the, the the holy grail of the forty points, but I think thirty nine points should be enough uh, for them for the the Premier League this season. And then obviously Crystal Palace, who do have that holy grail forty point mark at the moment. It's almost like a celebration game for both teams. Definitely, um, I think it's going to be a, a really good game. To watch, um, I think Hod- um, since Hodgson's come in, they've been a lot more attacking at Palace, and they've obviously they found a, a, a role for Eze to, to really come into his his best form since he moved to the Premier League. At least he's obviously great to watch. Um, Zaha's come back into the team, so yeah, I think it's going to be a really 
really fun game. Bournemouth obviously have also got some good players in the attack. Solanke's been excellent. I think um, Dango Otara, who they got in the in the January window, has been very good too. Um, so I think it's going to be a really good game to watch. I think that there's going to be goals at both ends. I think it could be a real um, one that people are excited to sort of see back on match of the day. Probably won't be on early because there's there's sort of no jeopardy to it really. But um, yeah, I think there's going to be a few goals. I think I'm going to go for the two two. Um, I don't really want to fight with either team. Um, I think it's going to be a, a good, entertaining draw. Um, probably with both both supporters going away happy. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think both supporters are. Probably just want the season to end now and, and sort of move on and try and build for next season. Um, I guess the question for Palace is whether they'll give Hodgson the job for an, for another season. Um, it's one of those that you feel like they have to give him a, a season if he wants it, but at the same time it could also go go south very quickly because um, they, they obviously moved on from him for a reason. Um, and whether if he stays for another year, whether it's sort of like giving the caretaker a, a job. Um, and then it, the results sort of falling off, like we saw with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, and Manchester United. Obviously, that that was a very sudden downfall, and then it improved for a bit, and went down. But I think if yeah, if, if, it's a it's a big big question for Palace. Um, but yeah, I think it, that's sort of a, a bigger issue that they've got to think. But yeah, for this game in particular, I think it's gonna be a good game. Lots of good attacking players on play uh, on show, and yeah, two two. Definitely going to be a, a showcase game. Um, for me, and I had one one on here, but I'm going to join you with two two because I'm I'm going to put that into into the universe because I want that to happen. I I'm looking forward to this game. As I said, it, it's one I'm looking at that could potentially steal the weekend. A um, lot of exciting attacking players, as you've mentioned, the freedom that the Palace players have been playing with recently has been, you know, really good to watch and not necessarily something that was on anyone's bingo card for when Roy Hodgson comes in. That's when they're going to start playing attacking football, but it, it's been good to watch. Um, we'll see what they do with him going forward, uh, into next season, but let's move to maybe a team that's lost a bit of that attacking spark of late. Man United, they will be entertaining Wolves. Now, I mentioned, you know, and, and we both mentioned with regards to Newcastle, of the two teams, probably the safer one in, in terms of the top four race. Man United, are they starting to look over their shoulder? Obviously, that result against West Ham was massive um, yesterday, losing that game. Now they have a Wolves game at home. The expectations must be through the roof. They have to win this game. They, there's no way that they can afford to even draw this game might feel like a, a loss, especially when it's at home against a struggling Wolves side who, yes, got a win last time out, but surely Man United have enough to go in and win this one. I've got a, a 2-0 Man United win. I think it, it it's going to be built up in the media um, to be, you know, this must-win game for Man United and there's going to be a whole lot of tension around the game beforehand and then Man United are just going to go with a, a routine 2-0 win for me. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> It's difficult to match tonight. I, I still think that the two teams in the top four are going to finish there, um, even if Liverpool go on and, and win the rest of their games. I think that they've both got fixtures. Uh, the two teams in the top four both got fixtures up to where they should get the points they need. I think with Manchester United, you're just seeing how tired the, the squad is. We've seen Ten Hag sort of attack multiple competitions, rotating very little, and those players are, are just running on fumes at the moment. Um and I think they really are just going to stumble over the line in terms of the top four. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think even in the games they win, it might just be 1-0. Um, 
two uh, one really scrappy games. Um, but I think that, that yeah, Wolves. We saw them go away to Brighton, get absolutely outclassed. I don't think that's going to happen here. It's going to be a more of a game. But I think Manchester United will just sort of eke out. A, uh, I think it's going to be a one nil win. I think it's going to be really turgid. I don't think they're going to play well, but I think they're just going to eke out the, the result they need. Um, yeah, I think that the disappointment for, for Liverpool when they look at Manchester United is that the fixtures they've got left, I think they've got three home games. They're playing teams on the most part. They've got very little to play for. Um, yeah, I, I think that they, they'll, they'll get over the line Manchester United. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be a pretty watch. And I think that there are some, some big questions for them to answer over the summer. Um, in particular, sort of in terms of squad depth and, and the goalkeeping position, because we saw the fact they lost yesterday to West Ham was, was due to the goalkeeper more than anybody else. So, yeah, and it's not the first time that's happened this season. Uh, score prediction for that one? Did they sneak over with the 1-0? Oh. Yeah, 1-0, I think I'm happy with that. Okay, and any thoughts on Rashford and his form of late? I mean, obviously that's been a talking point, in, in on especially on Twitter, uh, with regards to how long he's gone without really being as productive as he was, um, you know, at some point he was in, in the contention for player of the season. I don't know how he was when Holland is in the league at the moment, but for some reason he was. Um, any thoughts on, on his form at the moment or is, is, is this something of concern for Man United fans or do you think he gets back to the mean somewhat or, or is this now the mean that he's gotten down to? Um, no, I think with Rashford, I think he's just another one that still looks so tidy. I think he needs the summer. Um, he's played a lot of football in a short space of time. Um, and I think we're still seeing him carry a threat in matches. Um, was probably their biggest threat at West Ham. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I think he's come back from his injury maybe a little bit too soon as well. I think he's still hampering him a little bit. He doesn't look fully fit. Um, I think they really are just hoping that he, he just gets a couple of goals between now and the end of the season and sort of just help, help him get over the line. Um, and I think if we see Manchester United make, make that mathematically, um, assured in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll see him set out the last, last two, one or two games with one eye on the FA Cup final. Cause I just don't think he looks fit, but yeah, I'm not worried about him. I think, I think next season we're going to see Mark Thrashford have a really good year. Um, I think his form just after the World Cup. Probably he's just full of confidence of running very hot. I don't think we're going to see him score every week. I don't think he's that tall type of player, but he's definitely sort of the talismanic figure at Manchester United attack now. And I think he's definitely going to be sort of getting 20, 25 goals a season across all competitions regularly from now on. Um, now he's got that defined role, but yeah, I think at the moment he is sort of very tired and, and still struggling with a couple of injuries. And I think that's sort of hampering him a little bit. And it's probably something that, um, would be frustrating for, for him having come back from a, a big injury, um, layoff, so to speak, recently into, you know, in terms of seasons of football. He just, it seems, can't get a, a, a season in where he doesn't have the injuries or isn't coming off of injuries. Or alternatively, does he need a manager maybe to game you know, game manage him a bit more, load management, not necessarily have to rely on him every single game in every single competition. But as you said, he's sort of, you know, carved out this talisman role for them. They've needed him to be in the lineup for, for all the big games and, and, and all the others. Um, we've seen when he's been dropped, he's had to come on to score to, to help them get games over the line. So yeah, I, I would hope, um, from a Man United perspective that they then, 
bolster the squad in a way that allows him to be able to have a bit of a bit more load management next season and I think they'll see a better Rashford um for a longer period of time than maybe necessarily these short bursts that they have but let's take a quick break Jake and then we'll come back with uh Banker or Bernard questions for you And we are back. Uh, we spoke about Man United just before the break. You've got the one or win there. We'll see how that impacts your Bank It or Burn It. But as, as we said earlier in the podcast, uh, you lead Bank It or Burn It at the moment with the highest score of 18 out of 25. The, the, the trailing party, so to speak, has a whole host of people on 16 out of 25. There's a 15 out of 25 out there as well. But that's as close as they've come to you, Jake. How are you feeling? Um, obviously, it just takes one week for someone to go and get, you know, a, a high score. But how are you feeling this late into the season, being on top of the leaderboard? Yeah, obviously, it feels good. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm usually the pace setter early on, and then somebody comes on and takes over the mantle, and that's not happened this year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'll see it through. Um, obviously, know that. I'm sure Guy is going to find a way to get three lots of uh, Bank It or Burn It predictions in before the end of the season, but we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing one right now and trying to edit it into the podcast, our executive producer, Guy Drinkle. But, Jake, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock. For those that are joining us for the first time, um, welcome and... Uh, Please stay with us next season as well. You've come onto this one quite late into the season, but we do always appreciate new listeners. Um, but I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock. You're going to answer five questions in each of the five rounds relevant to the fixtures that we've just discussed. Um, if you think the situation is going to happen, you're going to shout bank it. If you think the situation is not going to happen, you're going to shout burn it. Um, the questions are possession over 55% of the home team. Question B is over eight shots on target, C over 20 tackles, D a headed goal, and E knee slide goal celebration. Have you got those questions? Yes. And you're good to go? I'm good. All right, cool. Let's get cracking. All right, let's go straight into Leeds versus Newcastle. Hopefully this is a good omen for you and then kicks you off in good spirits. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, interesting. Well, you have four goals going in in that game. So I, I think that's, I'm, I have a feeling you've played the odds there. I think that's what I've done. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very confident I've definitely got one on the possession front. Uh, I definitely don't think that the lead will be getting, getting this line share possession in that one. I'm confident there. Well, we've seen changes in Roy Hodgson. What's, what's, what's to say that Sam Allardyce hasn't picked up Tiki Taka or some sort of football in, in recent years? I'm sure he's pinning this podcast up to the dressing room wall as we speak. Let's move on to Aston Villa versus Spurs. Your time starts. Now, possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it. All right. We'll let the clock run out, but you're a natural. Yeah, I think that's a difficult one to call that game. Um, 
I'm trying to envision the new, new side. It's not a Harry Kane one. I don't think it's an Ollie, Ollie Watkins one. So yeah, I'll mm. uh, play the odds there, I think. If Son scores, sometimes he, he throws in a new slide every now and then. Yeah, I'm not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> Any, I think I only had Tottenham for one goal on there, so I'll give it to Kane. Fair, fair. Maybe may, maybe Son of last season would have something to say about it. But let's move on to Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it to end it off. A bank, a burn, a bank, a burn, and then a burn at the end. Very nicely done. All right. Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. What we're hoping is the game of the weekend. Or at least I'm hoping. I hope you, you co-sign that one, certainly with a 2-2 scoreline in a celebration game for teams that were in danger of being relegated. But it looks like they are safe now. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Back, bank it. Header goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Ah, oh, there, those four goals and the bank it once again. Oh, I've just seen Everton have a shot there in the background. All right. <laughs> Man United versus Wolves. Uh, your last bank it or burn it round for the season. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I'm, uh, I think I've got this one. I've got these ones fairly, fairly confident in the final game. I think I'm going to end well. End on a high. Make it, make it a statement win. If you, if you're going to win it, make it a statement win. Still get 25 out of 25. No pressure. Uh, okay. Man United versus Wolves. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it to end it off. Now, question, um, cause I, I'm very curious. Does your over 20 tackles bank have anything to do with one Basaka starting the game? Um, no, I didn't think <laughs> of that. But, uh, I, the, the over 20 tackles one always throws me. So I don't think I have a good sort of scope on how many tackles there averagely are in a game. So I thought I'd just play that one by ear. <laughs> But yeah, I've sort of covered the banquet and burn it across uh, all the games on that one. So hopefully I've uh, fallen in the right place. Fair yeah, the enough. rest of them have got more thought process into it. Fair I think enough. I went 1-0 one, one in that game. I think it's going to be Rashford. And he doesn't knee slide. He does get a point to the forehead. So, oh, know, of course. Of thinking. course. Good logic there. But yeah, I think Wan-Bissaka probably accounts for a whole host of Man United's tackles. And if he's starting and Deleuze isn't starting, I think you're in for a, for a good day with the overall tackles there. But that's, uh, bank it, bank it or burn it for you for the season done. But obviously the rest of the podcast isn't done. The rest of the, the game week isn't done. Certainly not for fantasy football players. Do you bring William into your team? Do you have William in your fantasy team? Because this guy seems to be on fire at the moment. Um, I need a Hail Mary in, in, in a couple of my leagues. So I'm, I'm thinking of just bringing him in as a differential, but speak on that. Um, try and convince me whether that's a great idea or not. But then also speak on Southampton versus Fulham. I mean, Fulham, one of those teams in that, that gray area of the season's done, but we can't really, you know, finish too much higher or, or necessarily get into Europe or something like that. They're obviously not going to get relegated. 
And then Southampton, it's looking really, really sketchy at the moment. They have to win every single game that they have remaining pretty much. Um, yeah, how do you see that game going? And is William the answer for my, my woes in fantasy football? Um, yeah, I don't know if I would be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to, if you want to go rogue, um, why not? Why not? They also scored a lot of goals today. Um, and yeah, he did very well. So, um, yeah, but this game's a massive, massive game, really. Um, Difficult to call before the game tonight. If Southampton go to Forest and win, this game takes on a completely different complexion. So, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to lean into the draw for that purpose. I think with Fulham today, I thought, thought they played, you know, they scored some nice goals, looked very good. But the, the thing about them was that they, a lot of their goals were, were sort of, yeah, it, they, they would not score five in that game more often than not. So I think they, they were obviously, um, yeah, they they ran a little bit hot there, and and to concede three goals, I think it shows that they're perhaps on the beach a little bit. Two penalties conceded. I think that they're a little bit on the beach. Southampton may join them on the beach <laughs> if they uh, lose at Forest tonight and pretty much condemn themselves to relegation. But the, the more I think about this, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna tip Southampton to win. I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for the Southampton win, and I'm gonna call it here now. I'm gonna tip Southampton to get out of the relegation zone. I'm gonna give it the big call. I think they're gonna go on a run. And I think it starts tonight at Forest, and I think it continues at the weekend at Fulham. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for the. I'm going to go for the two 0 Southampton win. And this may have dated very poorly by the time people hear this podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for the big Southampton great great escape. One team often does it. We've not seen it. As I as, as I say that, Everton have gone two 0 to Brighton. I was going to say, <laughs> but but no, I'm I'm going to go, and I'm going to. I think I'm going to go for the. I'm going to go for it, and I think Leicester leads, and Forest are going down, and I'm going to tip Southampton to do the great escape. So yeah, two 0 Southampton. In the face of Sam Allardyce as well, don't give up, Southampton fans. The dream is still alive to stay up. Jake's giving you 2-0 in this game. Um, but yeah, as you said, um, I, I loved it. As you were speaking, it's one of those crescendo moments, um, a volley, a, a very, very confident, uh, goal from Decor. I, I don't know if he takes that first time if he hasn't scored the first one, because I, I was screaming for him to take a touch before, you know, settling himself to strike that. But yeah, time of recording, Everton are 2-0 up against Brighton, which is very spicy on both ends of the Premier League table. Southampton versus Fulham. I-, I love your enthusiasm for Southampton's great escape. I wish I could join you in that one, but I'm going to be the villain in this one. I'm going to reverse that scoreline. I'm going to give a 2-0 to Fulham. Um, it's it's going to be very sad because it's at home for South- Southampton. And, you know, I-, I don't think the fans will be too pleased with that result. And it's probably the death wish, you know, that dagger that gets hit on them. Um, to sort of solidify the fact that they, they are going down. Um, there are a couple of players in that Southampton team. And, you know, it, it's one of those, you know, where maybe people say it's, it's ill to speak of the dead. Um, it, is, is it wrong to start looking at some of those players of teams that are in the relegation zone and thinking, could our team get a, a, a bargain there? I know Liverpool got, uh, Robertson from, from Hull when they got relegated. Is, is this something that you look at? Yeah, I think so. I think I think every team has to sort of look at those really good clubs now uh, for potential targets. I think there's all, the Premier League is so stacked out with so much money that every single team has has good players. Um, 
even the ones that sort of go down with, with a whimper have normally got one or two players that, that, that do themselves proud. I think Southampton have got several. They've got lots of good young players. I think their problem has been they've got too many young players. But despite that, I think a lot of the ones they do have, you know, if you have them in the right squads, in the right environment, would be very good players. I look at Lavia is obviously the standout one. Even Alcaraz, who came in during January, he looks a very tidy player. Um, and, and, and there's more. Bella Kutcher at the back. Um, even Salisu, I think, has got the makings of a good player in the right system. Um, obviously, Tino Livramento, not seen him much this season, but we saw what he's done before. Walker Peters got called up for England. There's some very good players there. So, um, yeah, I'm sure Southampton, if they do go down, they'll, 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 they'll make, make some good money in the transfer market and, and be able to, to, Create themselves a budget to, to come back. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of players at the Southampton. Uh, it's partly why I think that they, they're going to, to, they've still got a chance of surviving despite their sort of perilous league position. Um, and yeah, I think Lavia is the main one. I think whoever gets Lavia is getting a very good player. Uh, and if the price is good, yeah, he, he could be a real superstar. Just the thought of him pairing up with Bruno Gamarash just Gave me chills. All right, let's move on before that I, I speak that into existence. Hopefully Liverpool can get him ahead of uh, Newcastle. But Brentford versus West Ham, massive result for West Ham on the weekend. We discussed the Man United side of things. But from the West Ham side of things, obviously a spirited performance. Um, you could sort of see it as the game was building that the, the commentators just kept talking about Declan Rice and it was obvious that he was going to get man of the match. But I think many players in that West Ham team would have been fighting for that, um, man of the match mini trophy that they get, you know, with the performances that they gave. They played Brentford. Obviously, Brentford last time out had that game against Liverpool. I mean, from my perspective, what I saw of, of them on the weekend, I thought, Tony was sensational again. Um, could have come away with, with, with a result, especially towards the end against Liverpool as they started to crank the pressure on them, um, late in the game. But another team that's on the beach, uh, I, I hope I'm not using that term too disrespectfully. And obviously the players are professionals and we hope that they, you know, treat the games in, in a professional manner. But Brentford, they were a team that were maybe hoping to sneak into one of those European spots. It's not happened. Uh, it's looking very unlikely. West Ham now with those 37 points. Do you consider them safe with 37 points? Uh, if so, is this another one of those celebration games between two teams that are, I mean, for Brentford, back to back seasons in the Premier League is massive for them. I think just to establish themselves as a Premier League team. And then obviously for West Ham, it was vital that they um, made sure that they stayed in the Premier League this season. Is that 37 points enough? Um, oh, wow, I was going to say yes, but I've just seen everything go three dollars. It's, <laughs> it's going crazy. They're going crazy at the seaside Everton on this bank holiday. But yeah, I think West Ham will stay up. Purely because, yeah, I think 37 points is going to be enough. I don't see... I see one of those teams going into relegation zone get to that point. I don't think we'll see more than more than one. Um, a lot of them are on thirty points, and I can't see. You know, if we're if we're talking about maybe Manchester United or Newcastle slipping out of the top four, them only needing seven points to sort of consolidate it. If we think those types of teams, even for them, it, they might not get seven points. The chances of these teams at the bottom getting seven points are so slim. Um, I think thirty four, thirty five probably be enough. So yeah, I think West Ham have got enough there. Um, so yeah, I think um yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried um if I was a, a West Ham fan. 
um, about relegation. But the, the interesting sort of layer, layer to this game is that West Ham got a European, um, quarter, uh, semi-final, um, first legs on Thursday, the, the second legs the following Thursday. This is sandwiched in the middle of that. I think that win against Manchester United just gives West Ham the opportunity to rotate quite heavily in this game. I think they're going to really target that European semi-final. Um, and even if they don't fully rotate for the game at Brentford, I think we might see players maybe not, not at a hundred percent and sort of managing their, managing their loads. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Brentford are going to win this one. I was really impressed with Brentford at Liverpool and I, looking at the stuff after, I was so surprised to see Liverpool sort of have the, the statistical dominance because it didn't feel like that watching the game. It, it must be that Brentford was so good in two thirds of the pitch and not cr- getting those play cut chances and not create, not of having the shots to sort of show for their, they're great play because I thought they'd play very well and it, was a, it felt like a really nervy game for Liverpool but you wouldn't think that if you just looked at the stuff afterwards but yeah I think Brentford are always going to give you a difficult game um, and yeah they, 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 there's always sort of limits to them they don't have the big budget they sort of play this money ball uh, they have this money ball recruitment they try and sort of be the best they can be and there is limits to that so we see that in the bigger games that they don't get those clear cut chances uh, and sometimes struggle to sort of break teams open but they're so intense and it's such a difficult game and I think West Ham if they're slightly lower in intensity as I expect they will be for this one because they're focused on that European game I think Brentford would take full advantage it wouldn't surprise me if this was 3-4-0 um, yeah I think I'm going to tip the, the 3-0 um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 3-0 here um, 3-0 as it is at Everton Brighton at the moment <laughs> interesting stuff uh, yeah I think there's a tweet on a tad predictable podcast uh, Twitter handle at a tad predictable cheap plug says um, Everton have space jammed Brighton. And it certainly seems that way. If you, if you're looking at the scoreline three nil at time of recording in the first half, incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah. I think look a, a comfortable win for, for Brentford there. I think you've, you've gone three nil to Brentford, um, which will be a, again, a celebration win for them. One of the few, you know, home games they have left in the season would be nice for their fans, um, to sort of send them off into a very good off season. I think from my perspective, West Ham need to obviously take care of business in Europe. I think their players will have half an hour on that, obviously dependent on how they do on Thursday, but, um, it could be a situation where the players need to be fully focused and engaged in the European side of things. And now that they've got that buffer in the Premier League, they might relax a little bit more. Maybe there's a fear of getting injured or something like that ahead of a, a big European game again, you know, in the second leg. So yeah, I, I think I've gone to no, I haven't been as bullish as you in that game, but, um, I, that, that would be my reason is, um, some of the players will have, have thoughts on the European, um, campaign. Um, now that they have that position in the Premier League with 37 points. Everton, a uh, team that we've been mentioning that's been popping up throughout this podcast because of the way they've been performing in this game against Brighton, as was said at a tad predictable on Twitter, they're space jammed Brighton. It's, it's three nil to Everton at the moment. They've been playing really well on the counter attack. They've been clinical on the counter attack. They look like they're up for this game. Um, this is not an Everton we're used to. If you're Arsenal fans, are you sort of sitting up and thinking, hang on, this game that I would have probably written off in, you know, Everton versus Man City. Now we've got Everton. I guess for their f- sake, it, you know, fingers crossed, they see this three nil out. Um, going into a game with Manchester City at Goodison Park 
with their chest, you know, puffed out that little bit extra, can Everton not only do a favor for themselves, but do a favor for Man City in this game? I mean, do a favor for Arsenal in this game, rather. Um, possibly. Um, we, you know, they beat an Arsenal this season. Um, I think Manchester City, like with West Ham, they've got one, one eye on a, a semi-final in the Champions League. We don't know what's going to happen in that first leg, but, um, it would be surprising if it's done after one leg. I think it's going to be a, a tough, tough two-legged affair for them. And I think they would have been hoping that they could, they could rest a lot of players for this Everton game. Um, and, and if Newcastle had beaten Arsenal for them yesterday, that would have been able to have, to have happened, but they, they can't do that. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a very challenging game. The good of an atmosphere will be up, especially after the way they've played today at Brighton. Um, and they'll be looking to, to take another big scalp. And if Manchester City are even slightly off it, might be a game that caused some problems. That being said, Manchester City, they're very rarely off it. <laughs> and they've got so many players in that squad that even if they do make a few changes, they should still have enough quality. But yeah, I think, I think I'll be tipping Manchester City to win. Um, I think I'll go 2-0, but I think it, it'll be one of those spirited ones where Everton played quite well. Um, but yeah, City get a, a goal and then, and then when Everton are chasing it, get a second, a 2-0 to, um, to Manchester City. I've gone 2-1 to Man City, but I think Everton score first just for the spice. I, I need that mayhem. I love the chaos that, that a result like that brings to the Premier League where, um, obviously Arsenal fans will have, you know, one eye on that game. They have to concentrate on their game, of course, which is at 4.30 on Sunday, but the Everton Man City games at two o'clock. It's the curtain raiser for the Arsenal Brighton game, a game that we're going to be discussing very shortly, but I think Everton come into this game with confidence. They, they, they trouble Man City to some extent with the, by getting a goal. But Man City, you'd imagine, as you said, the, the squad that they have, the depth that they have will be able to see that game out. They still win it 2-1, put the pressure straight back on Arsenal, who will be facing Brighton, a Brighton side that might be looking sort of for, I guess, revenge so to speak or, or at, at the very least will be a wounded animal trying to at least salvage the, the 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 european campaign that they have at the moment they've got games in hand brighton are they the stealth team at the moment that you know we've spoken about who's going to get top four and all of that a lot of people are saying Liverpool are the ones that are going to try and challenge the teams that are in third and fourth or, or just fourth, depending on how you look at it. Brighton, if they win those games that are in hand, are right in the mix for top four. Obviously, this game against Everton isn't going their way, but this could be a massive game, not just for Arsenal and Brighton, but for a lot of teams with um, with aspirations of European football. Yeah, definitely, it's a big game. I think you know Brighton with those games in hand, you you would say they're in the Champions League race. But if you look at what the games they've got left, they've got Arsenal uh, and Newcastle away. They've got Manchester City at home. They're losing this one to Everton, which is one you'd you'd really have been wanting them to win if you were a Brighton fan. So yeah, I I don't think they're quite in that race. I think I think the top four is is two or three teams. It's go and they, the top five will be Manchester City, Arsenal. Newcastle, Manchester United, and Liverpool in some order. I, I'm pretty certain of that. But yeah, I think there's, there's only there's two, three going to two, um, and it's the two that are currently in those places, the, the big favourites. But for Brighton, with those difficult fixtures, it's very feasible that they could drop out of European competition completely, which would be a huge disappointment for them. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's a tough game for Arsenal. I think it's going to be very similar to that Newcastle game. Brighton will go that at them too. They'll try and press. And it's going to be very similar. And I think there's going to be chances at both ends. And at Newcastle, Arsenal got sort of the bounce of the ball. You know, they got a, a long range effort in. They got sort of a, the own goal that bounced off and, and Newcastle hit the post twice. So on another day, it's 2-0 it's Newcastle. And I think it's going to be very similar in this one. It, all three results are in play here. I think there's going to be goals at both ends. I don't, despite the clean sheet, uh, uh, at Newcastle, I don't think Arsenal were defensively solid. They were still cut open a few times. It was just good save from Ramsdale in the post that saved them uh, and a little bit of poor finishing. You know, you can always rely on Brighton for poor finishing, but I, I think there will be chances at both ends. I think it's going to be a really entertaining one. And I think I'm going to go for 3-2 Arsenal. I think they're going to, it's going to be a proper end-to-end affair. Goals at both ends. And I think Arsenal are going to get a late winner to sort of keep those slim hopes alive of getting that title. Uh, based on my prediction of the City game, we're we're to win again. But yeah, um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, similar to the Newcastle game, I thought it was a really good uh, advert for for the Premier League. And I think this is going to be another one. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal, with that home advantage and that sort of momentum that they've got, just pep it. And you, you look at the the two teams from an attacking perspective. You sort of, as as I guess you were hinting to there, you'd, one would lean more towards the Arsenal players seeing it over the line than the Brighton players when push comes to shove. I had 3-2 written down here. I was thinking of changing it, but but I like that score. I'm going to stick with it as well. Um, I've got 3-2 to Arsenal as well. I think it makes the, 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 the title race that more intriguing heading into the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I think the... The thing for this game, it's at home for Arsenal. Um, Brighton, they've shown how leaky they can be defensively, obviously, in this game. I don't know if, you know, necessarily Brighton concede these type of goals all the time. Um, obviously, certainly not their own goal. But I just think Arsenal's forward attacking play, Odegaard is obviously playing phenomenal football at the moment. They just seem like they will have more goals than, than Brighton in this one. But yeah, one I'm looking forward to, if, if we don't get the game that we are anticipating earlier in the day, earlier in, in the weekend with Crystal Palace and, and Bournemouth, I'm certainly going to be very disappointed if I don't get a blockbuster in Arsenal versus Brighton. Obviously, it's been saved for a sort of, in inverted commas, Super Sunday, so to speak. Right. Let's move on to the final game of that game week. It's Leicester versus Liverpool. Leicester obviously played just now. Um, just before we we came on to record this podcast, we we I don't know if you were able to watch that game. Um, I was uh, watching uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, so I, did, I I haven't gotten a chance to watch that game yet. But a five three game against Fulham. How, if you saw that game, how did you see them faring in that one? And do you see them having a chance against Liverpool? Obviously, a, a, a tweaked Liverpool at the moment. Um, Leicester have fared well against Liverpool in recent years, considering, you know, the, the way to usually beat Liverpool is try and get those balls in behind, out wide, you know, have runners like the Vardys, et cetera, up front, um, to try and exploit the spaces that are left by the Liverpool fullbacks. Is that going to be the game plan for Leicester in this one? And will it be successful? I think this game is going to be another complete chaos game. I think Leicester, you know, the last last week they scored five goals, missed two penalties, and taken one point. They can't defend. <laughs> they, they can't defend, and they can't attack. And I feel like it's the same with Liverpool. Even these 
two recent clean sheets at home. I don't think, <laughs> don't think they've been excellent defensive performances. We talked about Brentford not being able to turn that their, their sort of territory into clear cut chances. And I think, I think in the Fulham game as well, Fulham had a couple of chances where they, they could have scored. And I think Leicester have got better attacking players than those two teams in terms of individual quality. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's going to be, I think this is probably the, the game where Liverpool are, are, are most liable to drop points if they are going to drop any, just because away from home, the record's not been great. Um, obviously losing a Bournemouth, another example, um, away from home. And there's a few more results about the season. So yeah. I think this is a real, a real tricky game, and I think it's one that Leicester know they've got no margin for error now. They have to go into every game and try and win. And their biggest strengths are in attack, like the Madison Barnes, Vardy. If and Liverpool do lose space, I just, I just got a feeling that this is going to be what an absolute chaos game. Um, I'm not going to tip Liverpool to drop points because I, I, I have some some interest in them doing so, and I feel like I'd be jinxing it. But I think I'm going to go three two Liverpool. I think it's going to be there's going to be loads of goals in this one. I think it's going to be real end to end. Leicester can't defend Liverpool's vulnerabilities, although they've they've slightly sort of covered for those vulnerabilities recently. Their biggest vulnerabilities are at the back and then trans- transition. And Leicester have got players that can that can really damage them there. They'll go three two Liverpool, and I think it's going to be a really really good game. But I really wouldn't be shocked if Leicester went and turned a result. We've seen Everton do it tonight at, at Brighton. I feel that this is one that if I think Liverpool are a good opposition for Leicester out of any of those top teams um, just because they're not quite as defensively solid as the rest of them uh, despite the recent clean sheet so it feels silly to say it but yeah I think you'll be able to, to dig deeper into that and, and, and may disagree with me but yeah I think I'll go three to Liverpool but I, I really think this is a, a game where Leicester can get something from Look I'm, I'm of the belief that not all clean sheets are created equal I don't think any of the clean sheets that Liverpool have had recently have been convincing. I don't think many of the wins that they've had recently have been convincing. You mentioned uh, the Newcastle Arsenal game, uh, you know, earlier in the podcast saying it could have gone either way. A lot of these recent wins for Liverpool could have gone either way, in my opinion. Um, but obviously, I think at the moment, it's sort of they playing themselves into form than necessarily them having good form and, and it's showing on the pitch. I do like the tweaks, you know, some of the tweaks that they've done. What it's enabled them to do is, you know, increase the amount of time that Salah has on, you know, with the ball, increase the amount of, you know, touches that Trent Alexander-Arnold has. All of a sudden, the Van Dijk to Salah long ball is back. Um, so there's a lot of the, the key things from an attacking perspective that helped Liverpool be, you know, have this purple patch, so to speak, in recent years. You know, those are the three key things. Trent having a lot of the ball, Salah having a lot of the ball, Van Dyke being able to play that long ball across to Salah as quickly as possible when Liverpool are moving, you know, teams from side to side. And we're starting to see that in this new formation. Is it perfect? No. Is it fallible? Potentially. Uh, we've seen teams create chances because of this system. I think the, the benefit for Liverpool in this game, and which is probably what is going to edge it for them in this game, is they have Alisson in goal. And I think that's going to be their saving grace in this one because he's going to have to put on a performance like he has done most of this season. I think he's unquestionably Liverpool's player of the season. Um, for me, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. It's up for debate. I'm, I'm happy to, to hear people, you know, 
give their thoughts on who they think is the best goalkeeper in the world. But I think this is the game that's going to epitomize and, and solidify that fact where Leicester are going to get chances on the break. This formation, as I said, it, it, it allows teams to get chances, but it seems like Liverpool have adopted that mentality of, okay, you're going to get chances, but in the system, but it's also going to give us chances in the system. And we're going to back the fact that we're going to bury our chances and you might not because we got Allison in goal. Um, so yeah, I like your three to score line. I've gone two one to Liverpool though, not as bullish in terms of the amount of goals that I can see in this game. But yeah, uh, that's my thoughts on Liverpool. I don't, do I think it's something they can, they can take into next season? I would need to see two new midfielders come in, um, to, to the roles either, you know, in, to see how it works out. But I'm, I'm, I'm not as, as bullish about this formation as some Liverpool fans have been purely because I don't know if this is a formation that they can use or a system that they can use to go and challenge for a title. Certainly not with the personnel that they have. Um, we'll see what they do in the summer and maybe that, that changes that, um, that projection. But yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm falling with Liverpool. I, I think they're going to allow Leicester chances, rely on Allison to, to be Allison Becker and then know that they're going to create chances themselves and that will see them through in this game. But Jake, that is going to do it for this episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, now you get all my stuff on uh, EPL Index and uh, my Twitter handles at Jake Jackson with two Um I think there's also going to be recording next week one of the EPL Roundtable podcasts. I think it's, it's not been as frequent as it normally is in recent weeks, but yeah, I think it, we are recording one next weekend. So um, yeah, following this round of fixtures. You'll get to hear me even be smug about my predictions or, or not. <laughs> well, I'll hold you account to them because I think I'm going to be on that show as well. Um, spoke to Kev, I think yesterday. Um, so yeah, um, if, if Kev's hosting it, uh, if you're on it, I will certainly hold you accountable to some of these scores and we'll probably be able to know your Banker or Burnett results by then as well. Um, depending on, you know, the guys in the background, if they're able to, tabulate and calculate everything in time but from my end uh guys go and check out all the content on epl index website as jake has said one of the he's one of the the premier writers on there really good stuff constantly going on match previews post-match reviews player performances did you have a rashford article out recently was that was that your article or was, was that um I can't remember. I don't think it was. I had one on Lindelof quite recently. That was uh, that went up a little bit recently. But yeah, I'm not sure about Rashford. It may have been. I, I think I've done one on him recently, but I can't remember how recently. Interesting. Uh, do you want to plug that Lindelof one or, or yeah, one of your articles? Just, it's sort of just yeah, the Lindelof one. It was sort of just looking at his, his role at, at Manchester United, how he was quite good in in, in the FA Cup semi final, and how he sort of showed he has some value um, as a squad player for Manchester United, where he's been written off. Um, sort of the differing seasons between him and Harry Maguire uh, have been quite different. And he probably say Lindelof's the one that they'd want to stick around, not as a starter, but I think he's, he's, he's probably been matched not his best defender in the last couple of weeks, um, despite the, the slightly dodgy results. Interesting. All right, guys, definitely go check that out. Uh, go check out all of the podcasts on EPR Index. There's Two Footed Podcast with Dave Hendrick that runs 
um, throughout the week. Um, it's obviously a daily podcast show. There's also the flagship show that runs weekly. We've mentioned it uh, just now. It's the EPR Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with uh, panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. Go and follow uh, this show's Twitter page at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write some positive comments. That stuff really, really helps us out. And I do appreciate those of you that have um, written comments. I do see them and I do appreciate them. Um, really, really cool stuff there. I've been Tadiwa Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141. They do our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. I'm hoping he hasn't finagled his way into another bank at Auburn. I, I, I heard around the water cooler that he was like he was cut off. He had so many chances to try and win it this year. He had planned a parade already prematurely when he was at the top of the leaderboard. Um, he was planning to blow the entire budget of the podcast on his parade. Thank God Jack Jackman stepped up and, and stopped that nonsense. Um, so it looks like we might have a podcast next season. So thank you for that, Jake. Um, as I said, he's been Jake Jackman. He's at Jake Jackman with two ends on the end. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Shinoshura. Podcast Network.